Come on, how amazing is our God? He's brought us so far. He's done amazing things in us. So we're going to run after him for the next few moments. Come on. And just be in his presence. Lift your hands to the Father. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have of just being in your presence today. Thank you for joy, peace. Thank you for health. We just stand in faith right now, believing that your power is reaching every individual, healing sickness, disease, ministering to the needs of every heart. That your word is bringing fullness to us, and we thank you for it. We're ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him glory. Uh huh. While you're standing, let's go to Joshua chapter 9. We're going to read verses 3 through 6 and then 12 through 15. And then we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 11. Joshua chapter 9 and verse 3. Let's read together. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes. And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14. Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and make it the place for the king. Read that again. Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and make it the place for the king. Take your seats, please. Wow. There's a tremendous word that God has for us today that I believe is going to really help us in our day-to-day -day living, in our day-to-day -day walk. 
Are you ready for it? In 1917, now all of you world history buffs will recall the year 1917. You'll recall that a revolution took place in Russia in in which Russian peasants and working class people revolted against the government of the last remaining czar, Nicholas II. Is it coming back to you now? Okay. I knew when I said Nicholas II, it would click. This revolution, as it forcibly advanced, nothing stopping it. One of its prominent leaders is noted to have said the following. He said, whoever longs for a quiet life has been born in the wrong generation. Whoever longs for a quiet life has been born in the wrong generation. I really begin to think about that statement, and when you think about it, has there ever been a generation (laughs) that hasn't encountered conflict and contention as a part of life, a part of everyday life? Really, there's no generation that has ever existed, which has not encountered conflict and contention. It's just part of life. Certainly no member of God's kingdom can expect exemption from warfare, can expect exemption from battle, from conflict. Ephesians 6.11 says, against the rulers, the authority... The, the powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in high places or heavenly places, all of which, verse 11 says, are the schemes, the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. We're going to look at one of them this morning, one of these schemes, which we just read about. We're going to kind of go into it in detail. But before we do, I want you to hear this because this is important. No one in God's kingdom, no member of God's kingdom is exempt from this right here, this this contention, this battle against rulers, against authorities, against the powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In fact, verse 6 or verse 12, rather, of Ephesians 6 from the Message Bible says it this way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. This is a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. That is why Christ, the Prince of Peace, 
told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Come on, this is King Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the head of the kingdom right here saying, I came to bring peace. I didn't, don't assume that I came to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For God's people, this life, this life of following God, this life of serving God is no walk in the park because the fallen world and its systems lie in the powerful grip of the evil one. 1 John 5.19 says it exactly that, in that way. This world and its systems it lies, prince of the power of the air, it lies in this powerful grip of the evil one and it demands that we stay alert. It demands that we stay alert, that we stay at attention. There's so much going on right now, my goodness, and it, it demands that we God's people stay alert, stay aware Stay locked in. Stay tuned in. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on. And sadly, Israel was to learn this lesson the very hard way, as we'll soon see. When God brought Israel into Canaan, they were to focus on the most, they were to stay alert and to focus on the most important task for which they had been commissioned. They were to go in. They were to be ready to engage the enemy and they were to take Canaan through obedience and dependence upon God. They were to take Canaan through obedience to God's command. It's true that God was giving them the promised land, but He did not present it to them on a plate. He didn't hand it to them on a silver platter. This is very important for you to realize. God was giving them the land, but God did not present it to them on a plate. They would have to faithfully follow His instructions. They would have to continually look to Him. They would have to continually wait upon Him. They would have to stay fully committed to enforce His laws and His principles. As they went into the land and as they're conquering the land, they would have to be very, very careful to, to, to enforce the law, the rule, rulership of God and, and live by His principles. We fast forward to Samuel. Samuel the prophet who was also judging Israel at this time. And he saw, he saw Israel he saw the entire nation about to derail. He saw the nation about to derail in their rejection of Yahweh as their heavenly king. They're no longer interested in following his ways. They're only, they wanting only Saul to be their king. And so when he saw this, Samuel issued a national call 
for the nation to national call to return to Gilgal to renew the kingdom to make it I love this translation today the new living version says or the new life version to make it the place for our king to make it the place for the king today is our sixth and final part of this series renewing a kingdom principled life renewing a kingdom principled life come let us go to Gilgal let us make it the place for the king make our life oh I pray by the Holy Spirit that in this series you have been able and I've been able to grasp some truth of making our life the place for our king once again that be we we be renewed in the in these principles of kingdom principled life once more making our life the place for our king. You see, for Israel, Gilgal served as a place of spiritual renewal. We've already learned this. I'm just reminding you, Gilgal, very important in Israel's history. So much transpired at Gilgal. And there was more than one Gilgal, by the way, but the Gilgal that we're talking about is the Gilgal that was located right west of the Jordan River as they entered into Canaan, that's the first place they went. And from what transpired there, we're learning valuable lessons in being renewed to live, to live this life by the principles as a subject in God's kingdom, having subjected ourselves to God. And today's final lesson is contained in this statement of verse 14 of Joshua chapter 9. We're going to learn a lesson right here. So the Israelites examined, many translations say sampled. The Israelites examined or sampled their food. But they did not consult the Lord. The Israelites examined or sampled their food. But they did not consult the Lord. Now, at the beginning of Joshua chapter 9, this is verse 14, but if you go back and read Joshua chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, you will find and you'll read that all the kings west of the Jordan River, the kings that were situated all throughout the promised land, they all came together. Joshua chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 tell us, tells us they all came together and they combined their armies to go and fight against Israel. As one force, they combined all of their armies, around 30 of them. They combined all of their armies to go and fight against Israel and against Joshua. However, military strategy would not be the only way that they would oppose God's purposes. Instead, it's amazing to me, our attention is directed to a totally different tactic to undermine God's plan for his people. This is interesting. When you read Joshua 9, 1 and 2, all these kings come together. They're, they've combined all of their forces, of their armed forces, and then you don't read any more about them. That's the last thing you read of them in Joshua chapter 9. It's like 
they're all poised, they're all ready, they're all together, they're all focused. And then you don't read about them anymore until over in Joshua chapter 10. What you read about immediately following all of these kings coming together and their armies poised to go against Israel and Joshua, now you start reading about these people called the Gibeonites. They employed a, an entirely different tactic. While all, obviously, while all of Israel's eyes are on this incredible Canaanitish armies and kings that have all gathered together, here comes a band of people. Here comes some travelers into Gilgal. And they, they utilize a different tactic to undermine God's plan for his people. And that tactic is the Gibeonite, known as the Gibeonite deception. The Gibeonite deception. Now, what's amazing to me is in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 2, it says that Gibeon was a great city. Gibeon was a great city. And it says all of its men were mighty warriors, not just warriors, all of the Gibeonite men were mighty warriors. But instead of coming out to fight, they decided to risk a more subtle and cunning approach to save their own skins and to hold off the conquest of their city. Now this was their thinking. Here's their thinking. Why walk into conflict and potential danger and potential destruction when we might be able to negotiate our way around it. Why should we just, even though the whole city, the men of the city are mighty warriors, these guys, they, they, they take a, a different approach and they say, why should we walk into this conflict and, and in all probability we're going to be destroyed so let's try to negotiate. Let's try to work out a deal. Let's, let's, let's come up with a plan that's, that's going to work. And boy, did they ever, did they ever get it together. Their trick is so well prepared. And they are extremely confident. I don't know how many times they rehearsed it. And went over it, but they are, they, they've got it going on. They come to Gilgal. Please notice where they come. They come to Gilgal. Now, at this point in time, Gilgal is the military headquarters for Joshua and, and all of Israel. It would only be much later when Joshua and Israel begin to conquer, particularly in the mountainous regions, that Joshua would move further inland. But right now, he's at the Jordan River He's at Gilgal with the entire army, and that's where this trick took place. You see, we've gone into, and in this series, we've sought to find out what happened at Gilgal. Because when Samuel the prophet stood and said, let us go, come, let us go to Gilgal, many, many years later, why would he take the nation back to Gilgal? Because of what transpired there, as we're learning And so the Gibeonites 
come to Gilgal, they come with worn-out saddlebags, wineskins, sandals that are full of holes, clothing that is ragged. And all of this was supposedly new when they left, when they left on this far journey. Not only are their provisions convincing, but their language. They come talking the talk. Now follow me because we're going to learn some stuff here today. If you read through Joshua 9, we didn't have time to read all these passages in between verses 6 and 12, but you can read in Joshua 9 from about verse 6 to 12, you can read that twice, twice these guys come and they tell Joshua, we are your servants. We, your servants. They're so submissive. They're so submissive. They're, they're like, we are your servants. Make a peace treaty with us. We want to serve you. We will consider it an honor to serve you. So they tell Joshua twice that they are his servants. You know, that had to sound quite good to Joshua. Come on, let's just get real here. When is the last time somebody walked up to you and said, I just want to serve you. I want to be your servant. Whatever you need, whatever you desire, I'm here to serve you. Joshua had to, that kind of probably like, ding, in the back, you know, like, that's, 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 that sounds pretty good up in here. And then the clincher. Here's the real reason they've made this long journey. Oh, you got to hear this, guys. They said, we have heard. We have heard of your God and the fame of your God. And now Joshua's ears really perk up because, wow, they're talking about our great God. And they're showing, yeah, they're putting on the, the spiritual, they're, they're coming just really, whoa, man, their hearts are tender towards God. And, they're, and, and, and here's what they said, your servants came because we had heard such great things about God, your God, all those things he did in Egypt. And the two Amorite kings across the Jordan, King Sahan of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, or Bashan. Buddy, we've heard how your God has hushed King Sahan of Heshbon. And we've heard how your God has bashed King Og of Bashan. And it would be our honor to connect with you. It would be our privilege. Uh-huh. They're talking the talk. So what will Joshua and Israel decide to do? What will Joshua and Israel decide to do? Will they go on the evidence of what they see and what they hear? What their senses and their reasoning are telling them? Or will they go back? To God, will they go back to God's instructions that were already prescribed by Moses? God had already, through Moses, listen, look at me, please. God already, through Moses, had, had already instructed the children of Israel what to do when this situation came. 
Numbers chapter 27 and verse 51, uh, 21. Numbers 27, 21. Now listen, these are the words of Moses, and he's speaking them for the time that they go in. When the children of Israel go into Canaan, here's his instructions. When direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eliezer the priest who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord, to determine his will. This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. Get yourself back to God. In spite of this, nobody asked God. Joshua did not. None, nobody asked God what they should do. They moved forward. Listen, here's, here's, here's what we're going to learn right now. They moved forward. They made an agreement with these people. And they moved forward depending entirely, depending entirely upon their own wisdom and their logic. So to be renewed, here's our final, final truth that we want to we leave with you. To be renewed in a kingdom-principled life, number five, let's go to Gilgal. Let's return to a place of total dependence upon God. That's the lesson we're learning from this situation right here. It was at Gilgal that they put their dependence upon man, upon their wisdom, their logic, by what they could see, what they were hearing. Now Samuel is standing before a nation. An entire nation is rejecting God. An entire nation says, we don't want God to be our king anymore. We want Saul. We're going to depend upon Saul. We're going to have Saul take us into battle. We're going to have Saul. He's the man. Saul, you the man. You are the one to lead us. Forget God. And when Samuel saw that, he said, come. We're not going there again. Come, let us go to Gilgal. And offer peace offerings unto God. Come on, let's go back to God and put our dependence upon God. Listen to me, church. If the enemy of your soul, the devil, if he cannot break down the front door, do you know what he will do? He will try and slip in by a side entrance in order to see you compromise God's principles and God's laws so as to thwart the fulfillment of his purposes in your life. If the devil showed up this afternoon, the devil himself came to your front door and knocked on your door. And you open that door and there's the devil. I think most of us in this building, most of us here today, we know one or two scriptures. I think most of us, if the devil showed up at the front door, we would have one or two scriptures. We would begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. We, we would... The devil, that's not how he functions. You know, he, he's not, he doesn't show up at the front. He kind of, he's cunning. He's manipulative. He's, he's, he's conniving. And he's, he seeks for those side entrances instead of inquiring of God and seeking his counsel. The Israelites entered into a covenant with the Gibeonites and they sealed it. The Bible says all of the leaders of Israel, the tribal leaders, they sealed it with a solemn oath. This is the most serious commitment that's possible to make. 
in sealing a covenant. How often the Lord is waiting on us to come before him to direct our steps, to reveal his word for the decision before us. But what do we do? God is waiting. There's a decision before us that's pressing. He's ready to direct our steps. But what, what do we do? Here's what happens. Because pressure is mounting. Pressure is mounting. We quickly bring our lives back into our own control. We quickly bring our lives back into our own control. We sample the moldy bread. We act foolishly, deceived by what we see and what people say. We're distracted by their flattery. We're fooled by their pride. In personal relationships, in our homes, our families, business and professional life, even in our church life, we are constantly under pressure not to follow God's word in complete obedience and dependence. And so you know what we do? We end up making alliances with people that we find impressive. Come on, let me preach this. Will you let me preach this for the next few moments? We end up making alliances. We're fooled. They come talking the talk. And we're fooled and we end up making alliances with people that we find impressive and that we find charming. Yet they will lead us further and further away from doing the will of God. You know, as I was reading today and thinking about this, I remembered 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, which says that, Paul says, so that we would not be exploited by the adversary Satan, for we know his clever schemes. We know his clever schemes. Never forget, appearances can be deceptive. And very often are. And I thought about Saul. And I remembered something about Saul. And I found the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 2. It says that Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. Why would an entire nation... Be ready to give up God and to go for Saul. Because Saul, it said he was very, the NIV says he was very impressive. He was very impressive. And it also says he was tall. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was the one they wanted to lead, they wanted him to lead them into battle. No longer God. And it was Saul who served God only with half his heart. He didn't follow God fully. When he was under pressure, and he was instructed by Samuel, when you go into this place, I, God wants you to remove this entire enemy. God wants you to destroy everything. Uh, God doesn't want you to leave anything alive. 
And he said, you wait for me in Gilgal. And Samuel showed up at the very last moment at Gilgal. And he asked Saul, have you obeyed the will of the Lord? He said, I have obeyed fully the will of God. And he said, then what is the bleating that I'm, of the sheep that I'm hearing in my ears? Have you left the king alive? Yes, I've left the king alive. And you know what Saul said? Saul said, it was the people. It was the people. Now we're talking about the same people who were impressed with how handsome Saul was, how tall and good looking he is. That's the one. That's the guy we want us to lead. We want to lead us into battle. Now, when the pressure is on, what does this man do? It was the people. They made me do it. They made me disobey the will of God and the plan of God. I want to close with this. When we make decisions based on what we see and hear, moldy bread, ragged clothes, flowery words, rather than inquiring of the Lord, we're bound to face a rude awakening. And that rude awakening came to the children of Israel three days, three days later, three short days after they entered covenant with the Gibeonites, the horror of the reality hits them. The Gibeonites did not come from a far country. They are neighbors. In fact, from Gilgal to Gibeon is 32 kilometers. That's the distance from here to Theca. That's the journey that the Gibeonites took from Theca. They came to Gilgal. And by their alliance, Israel now has to protect and care for a heathen people who have the potential to destroy Israel from within by turning their heart after other gods. God says you're not to have anything to do with them. You're not to intermarry. You're not to connect, not to have relationship with them because these Canaanitish nations will turn your heart away from me. But in that moment, they examined, they tasted, they sampled their moldy bread, but they did not consult with the Lord. They didn't put their dependence on God. Rather, they put their dependence upon themselves. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says from the Message Bible, let's all stand, please. Would you stand as we read this together? And we finish today. <clears throat> People with their minds set on you. Look at this. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet because they keep at it and don't quit. Come on. I'm talking to people today. I'm believing you're keeping at it and we're not quitting in Jesus' name. Verse four, depend on God. Depend on God. Depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. You have a sure thing. Verse 8, we're in no hurry, God. We're in no hurry. Come on, we're just going to take a moment and stop in your presence. Look at this. We're content to linger in the path signposted with your decisions. 
who you are and what you've done are all we'll ever want. Come on, can we give him glory? Can we give him praise? I want us to just take a moment right now and just as we finish today, I want us to just connect, really connect our hearts with God for a few moments in his presence. Come on, you're here and you're you're really found in the past days just being distracted. And there's just some serious distraction coming to you, and you've been sampling some moldy bread. You're just finding yourself in a place where you really need to come back to God, get back to Gilgal, get back to that place of dependence upon God. Flowery words, flowery words, moldy bread. It's all kind of distracting you and pulling you away. But you say, Pastor, I really want to come back to Gilgal. I want to come back to that place of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and renewing, just being renewed and living this life once more. Hands up. Come on, that's right. Hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we we just set ourselves in your presence. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Lord, we just rise and go to Gilgal. We rise and go to Gilgal. We rise, God. It's not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen, Lord. We're going to we're going to stand in your presence, Lord, setting ourselves before you once more, hearing your voice. And we give you praise today and we give you thanks today. We, we praise you, Jesus, that you're renewing within us that desire once more to walk in your ways, to live by your principles, not, not to give ourselves away to lesser things, God, not to turn to lesser things, oh God, but to stay very, very true as your people to what you desire and what you require of us. And we love you. Strengthen everyone right now. Minister to everyone right now. And we see the strongholds and the chains of broken off of people right now that are the enemy is trying to deceive. The enemy is trying to take off the path. The enemy is trying to remove. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we see that power is broken and we give you praise today, my Father, that you are faithful and that you're good and we love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's go to Gilgal.